Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 194. Uh, today you've got Chris, Brian, and Brian. Um, Brian is our special guest. He is a local law enforcement trainer. Um, he joined us at a recent training event. We again focused on working the mount um, with long guns. So we shot a bunch of doubles drill, uh, did a 10-yard build drill, uh, Blake drill, and then rifle cross. And we're going to talk about our experiences um, using those drills to improve our mount um, with the long gun and some of the things we learned. Yeah. Guys, you know, this is a kind of a continuation of, of a previous podcast and previous training session, um, you know, and giving you guys kind of a, some headlights on what we're doing, and hopefully you can take some of that stuff and apply it to your training world and, and kind of push into what you're doing. Um, I, I will say, I said in the last one, talking about the mount, I'll say in this one as well, the mount is analogous to your grip with a handgun. Um, if everything that's, it's foundational, everything starts there. So if your mount sucks, if it's not where it needs to be, um, it may show up on the first round. It may show up with something where like you're not running your grip strong back into your shoulder. You're not running your elbow down. Um, the elbow down, I think shows up more in subsequent rounds rather than the first one. Um, but in general, if you're not putting the gun where it's supposed to be, things aren't going to go well. You might get lucky from the start, but it's not probably not going to end well. Um, if you're not pulled in tight. So um, you want to real quick, I know we did this previously, but break down the mount. What it, what sure. is, you know, what does it look like from the ground up foundationally? Just real quick as an overview for anybody who didn't catch the last one. Yeah. So we're pulling this out of adaptive rifle, um, uh, by Ben Steger and Joel Park. Um, if you don't have the book, go get it. You can get it on Amazon or at the Ben Steger pro shop. Um, uh, but the mount, um, we're starting feet a little bit wider in the shoulder width apart. Knees bent, um, kind of drop your butt, so you got a lower center of gravity. Aggressive. Um, very aggressive. Um, if you're shooting squared up, um, we want the front, the left, your weak side heel should be in line with your strong side toes, uh, so you're a little bit bladed. Uh, we'll talk a lot more about blading mm -hmm. um, as we get into the podcast. Yeah. Uh, from there, you know, we got a slight bend at the waist. <clears throat> So that our shoulders are kind of over our toes, um, nose kind of over that front toe. Yeah. So we get some weight forward um, to help drive the gun. And then we're using our strong side or our support side. Yeah. Support side arm to very aggressively pull um, the weapon into the shoulder pocket. Uh, we're doing almost all the work, you know, holding the gun and keeping the gun where it's supposed to be with that support side arm. Uh, we want to see a 30 to 60 degree bend in that elbow because mm -hmm. um, that helps put all that on the bicep as opposed to the deltoid. Um, maybe wrap your thumb over the top if you can do it. Um, if not, you know, have the thumb pointed at the target. And then with our strong side hand, um, we're using that to grip the weapon and then really just to drive the trigger really aggressively. Yeah. Uh, part of, you know, running doubles especially is running the trigger as aggressively as you possibly can. And if you have too much tension in your trigger finger hand, um, you won't be able to run the trigger as fast as you want to. Which sounds a whole lot like gripping a handgun. And right? it's basically right. it's the exact same thing. Yeah, grip yeah. the living shit out of it with your with your support hand and then try and you know do the minimum amount with your with your strong hand other than run the trigger. Yeah. Um, and maybe drive pinky, you know, something like that. So. And did you mention that strong the weak side foot just a little bit forward yep. the strong side yeah foot. yeah heel toe yeah. kind of mentality yeah. um and we'll talk a little more about that because i deviated from that a little bit as I, I made some changes to get that support hand elbow under the gun 
Um, I kept finding, well, we'll get to that, but the, the tracking issues with that, where you're seeing the sights go, where the gun's going, etc. I had to modify that a little bit because my left shoulder, well, both shoulders, but my left shoulder just doesn't have the mobility to get there. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Uh, so that is, in a nutshell, that is the mount. Uh, if you Google or search on Instagram, um, Ben Stager and then Matt Prankett, X-Ray Alpha, have some really good video demonstrations on the mount. Yes. Uh, well worth taking the time to search out. Uh, if you are serious about using, you know, rifles for pellet patrol rifle stuff or defense, you know, using for home defense, um, shooting multi-gun, um, any of those kinds of things, the mount is really, it is the foundation to being able to run the gun aggressively. Yeah, and the other thing too, if you have a proper mount, it allows you to shoot from a mobile platform. It allows you to shoot from a less than ideal platform better than if everything's not perfect, yep. right? If you don't have your feet planted and then... The, that's where I think things kind of come apart is the more you put into it, the more important the mount becomes. The more movement there is or the less stability there is, the less ideal the position is, the more important the mount becomes. But it shows, and it's just, it's just, it's the basis. I mean, it's yeah. where you start. So. And I, I think we know that that's the one thing that we can count on is that yeah. we're not probably going to have the opportunity yes. to s plant perfectly and have the yeah. perfect stance. So that means from the waist up, that has to be perfect. And that we do have control over. Exactly. Exactly. In almost any situation, you know, maybe there's certain, I don't know, kneeling, barricades, undercars, blah, 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 whatever. Right. Yeah, compromise position. But I still think that you, as much as you can do to get the gun solid into that pocket and pull it in tight, but then drive the trigger stronghand, but run, physically move the gun weak hand. Is, that's, that's like gripping the gun with your weak hand and just driving yeah. the trigger. So, yeah, cool. Um, let's start off. We're yeah, working. so we started, we shot doubles drill um, at 20 yards. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we were on IDPA targets because we ran out of USPSA targets. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we generally tried to apply USPSA scoring zones to the IDPA targets. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so running doubles at 20 yards, um, doubles drill. We shoot four pairs. Um, we're looking for the split times inside the pairs um, with a second or two seconds or so between the pairs. Uh, and this is strictly a, a marksmanship drill working on, can I maintain the mount um, so I can run, you know, point somewhere, split somewhere between like 0.15 and 0.19. Uh, so these are predictive pairs. Uh, the second shot is fired before we've reacted to what the sights are doing. Uh, and that gives us an indication of is the, if the mount's good, the gun is returned to where it needs to be, um, and the second shot is inside the scoring zone where we want it. Um, if the mount is not good, um, the second shot is somewhere on the target, um, not generally where we want it. Yeah. Um, and it's this is just a really good drill um, to work on refining the mount. Yeah, when I, one of the things I was, that I've caught on to watching some of Pranka's stuff, some of the X-ray Alpha stuff, um, the, 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 number one, this is, this is not a timed drill per se. You're using a timer to look at your splits between shots. Um, the, the drill is not a on the beep, do X. It's on the beep at, as you're ready, you're bringing the gun up into the proper mount, pressing off to taking a breath or or not. I mean, yeah. you know, you watch some of the stuff, some of the times he does it, it's pop, 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 you know, running doubles that quick. Um, if you're newer and you find that you're seeing it gives you some feedback through the gun, and then when you go check your target, even more so, generally confirmation of what you're seeing through the gun, if you're one of those people who can call your shots and track your sights and stuff like that. 
in this case, you're watching the dot. One of the things, and I said this last time too, but I'll, I'll say it again because it happened again. As I'm running the gun, I'm consciously trying to pull that elbow down and what that does for your grip with your support hand is you drive that elbow down, that 30 to 60 degree bend in your elbow should be to the ground as much as you can. It allows your vertical dispersion of shot. It allows your dispersion of shots to be vertical, if at all, hopefully not at all, but it allows your, you know, that pattern on the target to remain vertical and not go laterally. Um, and I noticed every time I started chicken wing and sticking the elbow out, not driving that elbow down. And it, 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 it's not that you can't drive the gun in with your elbow out. It just it limits that movement when you bring your elbow down to that vertical pattern, and that's I think that's critical to point out. But as you're doing this drill, you can take your time between shots, and if you need to adjust, well, adjust. Take, take your time between pairs. Between yeah. pairs, yes. Sorry, yeah, yeah. The yeah. important, very important distinction. Yeah, run, yeah. run the pairs as aggressively as you possibly exactly. can. Exactly. Yeah, the time you're spending between the pairs is pretty much irrelevant, but but the pairs are what actually matters. And um, I think too, if you have people of varying skill levels, they might not be able to get that you know, 0.16 sure. or 0.17. So I think the important thing is, or they might have a limitation with their equipment. There mm -hmm. might be some triggers that just aren't going to do it. Yeah. You're just not, not going to get any faster. You're going to reach the limitations of that gear. Yeah. But if you, if you're pull, if you remember the drill is you're pulling the trigger as fast as you can. Yep. So that's what determines it. The, the shot timer is just there to, to help you. And when you're pulling the trigger, when you're shooting those two pairs and you're pulling as fast as you can, it allows you an opportunity for discovery learning. So you're yep. going to see those shots and you're going to feel that gun move around and then you're going to be able to make adjustments. So yep. then when you do do it right, then your brain says, hey, this was the right way and I need to do that now over and over and over again. And I think that's why you see these guys shoot this drill all the time because they're really honing in that consistency. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I know, you know, that Frank had mentioned, he was talking about a specific training day he was doing, and the fact that I'm, I'm going to make up numbers, but the idea was that, oh, I'm going to go shoot 250 rounds, and 180 rounds of that is going to be doubles. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was yeah. it, it's very heavily weighted toward this because of the feedback aspect of it. And I, and I think that probably applies to handgun, too, mm -hmm. with him, anyway. I mean, from what I've seen... But with a rifle, for sure. Yeah, Ben. Yeah. Ben Stager's talked about shooting with a handgun, half of his training ammo allocation in a given year on doubles drill. Yeah, yeah, because it just it gives you the feedback off the sights, but then when you walk down range and check the target, you're confirming that you're doing it right or doing it wrong. And there were a couple times with us where you know I I'm like I'm I'm just running the drill, saying nope, that's not where I want to be. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing X. I'm not doing Y. Now I've got a lot of rounds down range through rifles and handguns. And I'm pretty good at calling my shots. In general, I know when, when the gun went off that it's like, hey, I did something wrong. Let's figure out what. This is what helps you figure out what you're doing wrong. Um, and it's a big deal. Can I go into the blading? Is this as good a time as any? Yeah, I was going to add one yeah. thing real quick. Um, the reason these guys spend so much time shooting doubles drill is it's one of the few things they can't do in dry fire. Yeah. Uh, because it's recoil management. Yeah. Uh, so having that second round... Um, you know, if you're dry firing and working on the mount and dry fire, which you should, um, very important. Um, but it's really hard to know, is it perfect? Um, is it really good? Yeah. Having that recoil from the second shot, and then we get into like the third and the fourth pair um, to see that the mount hasn't broken down um, is where you really validate, you know, am I doing the right thing in dry fire? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so going further into where you start picking up, you know, one of the things that I picked up was that, um, due to shoulder mobility issues in my left shoulder, I had a really, really difficult time getting my elbow under the gun if I was standing squared up to the target with that like heel toe 
um, but otherwise generally, you know, perpendicular facing the target kind of thing. And as soon as I started blading just a little bit, you know, I'm going to say maybe 10 to 15 degrees blading additional to the peel toe offset. Um, all of a sudden I could drive my elbow back under and things started tightening up a little bit. Um, and that made a big difference for me. So, you know, the, a lot of this stuff is like, you know, the heel toe, the, what you're doing X amount percent of body weight on the balls of your feet, your nose over your toes, blah, blah, all, you know, plus or minus guys, plus or minus, you know, if you got to do something a little bit because you've got mobility issues, um, you know, j just because it doesn't feel right may not be the right reason. Um, but the target will tell you if it's right or not. And as soon as I bladed enough that I could really drive, because I, I was struggling with this yeah. the first night that we did it. Um, and I don't know why I wasn't struggling so much with the 9mm carbine with a Scorpion, but I was with a rifle with a 5.56 gun. There's really not a big enough recoil difference, I don't think. There's some difference in the, like, if we look at the difference in the brace versus the brace okay. mm -hmm. um, versus where the forends and things are at. That may um, be it. Yeah. I'm choking up yeah. on the carbine a little bit versus on the AR, I'm not. I'm out further. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And that may need to change, too. That may be more discovery that comes down the road is moving where I'm holding the gun back just a skosh, too. And I think that is the drill. I mean, yeah. that is the whole purpose of the yes. drill is for you to learn these things. And your stance may not look like my stance. Yeah. And the way you mount the gun may not look exactly the way that I do it, but it doesn't matter. What matters is you're laser-focused on a little spot on that target and yep. when you smash that trigger those two rounds go yep. right near that spot and if you if you can do that and if you can see when you fail to do that yeah the why yeah and then you and you can feel that and internalize it that's yep. the whole drill that's what you're building and, on yep and that's, that's what you're building and, on. and that's why these guys shoot this drill mm -hmm. all the time and you know it's not a it's not a sexy drill no. You know, it's not, you know, no. it's not like going out, but you know, it's like one of those things, like if you want to build more cardio, you got to go out and you got to move yourself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that isn't fun, yep. right? No. Especially for maybe us, but, yeah. um, but, yeah. but that's, that's the drill. That's what this drill is. This drill Absolutely. is going out, putting in the reps and, and learning from it. And then you're going to be better in the end. Well, in the, in the fact that, that a couple of guys who are probably arguably the best shooters in the world, I'm not saying the best, but in that top, top tier, legitimately both from a competitive perspective and from a operational perspective, dudes out there doing work on both sides of the house, the best guys in the world are doing some of the, are doing this. And that's where they spend a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of resources doing this drill. I think that speaks to something and that's back around to if you're a serious shooter defensively, whether it's civilian law enforcement, military, whatever, or you're a trainer and you, and you aren't conversant in these concepts and these topics and some of these techniques and drills, um, man, there's, you got some catching up to do. Yeah. Those, this is where it's at right now. Yeah. Those people probably should get a fax cause I'm sure they still have fax yeah, machines, absolutely. but we yep. should probably fax them this information. We should fax it to them for sure. Yeah. Cause yep. they, I'm sure, or send it to their AOL address. Absolutely. Well, or, or maybe even just get the chisel out and carve it in freaking stone and right. deliver it, you know, you can drop it on them. Yeah. Drop it on them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I bet there's something out there that you could put on like a device to hold things that's round that would make it move more easily and deliver it via that with some kind of a uh, beast of burden pulling it. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Ben, Ben's a nine time world champion and he says that what 60 to 80% of his rounds, he still is doing this drill after yeah. winning. So I don't know. I don't know what that number is. Like maybe yeah. if he wins 11, then he stops doing this drill. Maybe maybe the drill yeah. is just yeah. what people need to be doing. Yeah. It's well, just and the, like, the rep. And the guy who wins all the marathons, I don't know because I don't follow that because I think it's silly to run that far. I mean, what's going to chase you 26 miles? But I'm just saying the guys who run those kind of they run those kind of distances over and over and over. Maybe not 26 full miles, mm -hmm. but they run a long way all the time. They do it over and over and over again. It's almost like they're training to do that. Yeah, getting better, getting faster. Huh. 
Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it, when you talk about performance too, you know, you talk about that Olympic guy, right? Yeah. And he says, you know, hey, how does it feel to break the world record? Did you know you were going to run it that fast today? Well, yeah, I guarantee you that dude has run that same time. Yes, in that, training. He's broken that world record a yep. dozen times. And I yep. think that that's, you know, you look at, you know, Ben and, and Matt and those guys, and they're they're training this performance, this high level of performance, so that when it matters the most, either in competition or in, in real life, IRL, yep. then you're if there's any sort of deviation in performance because of what else is going on, think about competition. If your, your nerves are getting to you or yeah. there's something that you don't know that's going to happen and it throws you for a little bit. The range surface is uneven. Right. You it, slip, it's it's yeah. raining. Slip You're trip, wearing whatever. a coat, yep. whatever. Jet yeah. lag. Right. Yeah. 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 You still have, you don't feel well, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but that, that slip in performance is still going to ensure that you're operating at the highest level of performance. And I think for the armed civilian and for law enforcement, I think that's the piece uh, or one of the pieces that could be missing yeah. is that you think that, oh, I can go to the range and I can, you know, I can shoot fast and I can, you know, put little yeah. holes there. But when the target doesn't stand still or it's shooting back yeah. or conditions are not favorable because it's three in the morning and you're on two hours of sleep, what's your performance then? Yeah. You know, yeah. How, how, how much... I would ask you to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, how much performance do I have where I can endure some of those items? Sure. You know, sure. do I have enough? Yeah. And I think there's a couple ways, you know, you can add stress to some of this stuff and test it. You can do increased cardio, increased heart rates. You can do um, muscular stressors, you know, strength type stressors, whether that's, you know, doing a bunch of push-ups or, or running, you know, some 40s real hard right before or whatever. But it, it, it's going to come back around to the reality that, an Olympian is always going to perform at Olympic levels, whether they win or not. They're always going to be right there in the game. Yeah. And the question is, is does, does your world fall apart when your heart rate hits 140, 150, 160? Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, maybe you, you need to be pushing into this a little bit harder on the fundamentals, not at 140, 150, 160, so that when you start testing it or get pushed there, you hopefully can still perform there. Yeah. yeah. The other big thing with doubles is it, it lets you learn – what it's like to drive the gun and run the gun very aggressively yep. from a shooting pace um, in a controlled environment. Yeah. Uh, if we look at a lot of body foot, body cam footage and dash cams and things, um, when events go kinetic, everyone tends to shoot really fast, yep. whether they have the hard skills there to yes. do that or not. Yes. Um, and you know, as we learn shooting doubles, um, if the first time you try to run the hard skill, hard skills really hard, uh, like everything's on the line, um, the results are probably not going to be where you want them to be. Yeah. And I think we see that. I think when you look at law enforcement and the, the hit percentage, yeah. um, I, I think you see that very thing. I, I guarantee you take those same guys out, you run them through doubles, they're going to have the same, you know, 20, 30% hit rate, 7% if you're in New York. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. And I, mean, I think we're back to, if you're not doing this drill or something like exactly this drill, then yeah. you're probably, you need to. Yeah, it's got to be yeah. like almost exactly the same as this drill. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah I mean, I mean <laughs> we, were in the, we were in doubles. <laughs> you don't have to call it doubles. Yeah. Just do, do just it. Do yeah. doubles, we were so. in doubles, what, 12, 12 times, 14 times? Yeah. Oh, at least. Uh, which <laughs> which is a lo which is quite, quite a number of times. You're going down, we'd run yeah. two strings per shooter. Um, go down, check targets, pace targets, go back 20 yards, do it again, yeah. do it again and again. 
Yeah. Uh, to the point where it almost wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but again, you know, that I, I know I shot some, that somewhere around 240 rounds of five, five, six that, that night, give or, give or take. Um, and, and half of it, that's almost half of it or about half of it was spent there. Yeah. I, I, and I learned again, honed some stuff down. I'm not saying I learned anything new. I just figured out how to get where I needed to be a little better than I was before. Yeah. And, and be that's there the consistently. Game. Yeah. And be there consistently. Yeah. Which is huge. Right. I mean, just getting there once it, right. That's right. cool. But let's, let's try and get there every time. Yeah. yeah. So one of the, Chris was running a new, uh, light that had a laser on it, mm-hmm. which was made it actually really entertaining. Yeah, for the rest of us, um, because we could see what was <laughs> going on me screw up. during recoil, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and we went from seeing the laser move like it was at a rave yeah. um, at the beginning of the night yeah. to by the time we finished with doubles drill, um, that laser only moved a couple inches yeah. under recoil. Yeah, when it didn't move out of the target area. Yeah, and I think that that's the important thing, and that's really what you're looking for. And I know we haven't talked about being target focused, but those of you running dots, which again you should be. Yeah. Um, you should be watching that dot because you should be target focused or, or looking at the target, laser focused on the target, and then you should see that dot not move out of that yeah. target area, whether it's the circle for IDPA or the, the rectangle. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and even like you said, and even without the laser, you know, a few weeks ago when we were running this, you know, with the the scorpion, you know, and no no laser um, on it, just tracking the site like you should be you know i i, I think you, again if you've shot enough you know you know when you pull the trigger you kind of cringe you kind of grunt and uh, oh that that wasn't it um and this this is a great way to help you diagnose what's going on and get your stuff squared away yeah so, yeah absolutely i think it's the way yeah right? yeah yeah yep. yeah yeah yep, yep. uh so we went from there uh we went up to 10 yards we shot a 10 yard build drill um so again taking what we learned in doubles um, having the distance and then adding, you know, four, four rounds to that predictive string, uh, which I think that was kind of eye opening too. Cause we were, we ran that pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were warmed up. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. we were definitely, yeah, you were definitely tuned. <laughs> yeah. After a hundred and plus rounds of doubles to go up and shoot a build drill, it's like, okay, that's, that's why we do, that's why we yeah. do the doubles. Yeah. So. And I mean, and essentially, you know, if you break down some of the numbers, if you, if you say the reaction time to the beep and and moving the gun to the target is generally a half a second or less, you know, then you're talking six rounds in less than a second, you know, where it needed to go. You know, yeah. I think I think we were all pretty much under that second and a half ish. Yeah, I think we were all under a second and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 You know, with with a tight, with a really tight group. Yeah. Um, controlled. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that that was the cool part is that nobody's nobody was wild. Nobody was like, oh wow, yeah, it was fast. But you know, it's like, oh crap, look at that. That's pretty effective. And and not that that would have been bad. I mean, I think yeah. when you're training, that's the time to make mistakes. I know yeah. we all want to shoot one ragged little hole, but yeah. you know, you're you're not going to do that shooting the gun aggressively at speed, pushing yeah. yourself beyond what you're capable of, right? Or so, you're not pushing yourself beyond right. What it's going to be one of. or yeah. the other. So you, yeah. it's okay to miss, but you know, yeah. we just didn't. Yeah. 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 So then we, we shot the Blake drill at seven yards, uh, which is what the distance prescribed in adaptive rifle. Uh, so Blake drill is three targets a yard apart, um, all horizontally aligned. Uh, two targets, or I'm sorry, two rounds per target um, from the from the hunt position. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to use our build drill time sort of as a part time to shoot the Blake drill. 
Uh, so trying to run, keep running the gun really aggressively and then also do the transitions between targets very aggressively. Uh, I think this was pretty eye-opening too. Yeah, because I I like I was off by probably almost half a second. I think my fat I went from a one four one three something one four to a Blake or Bill to the Blake drill, which I was I don't think I got under one eight. So I just couldn't get the target to target transitions. But in general, the hits were good, and the reaction to the beep was pretty fast. But the target to target transitions again identifying something to work on. The target to target transitions weren't there, and I do think a big component. You guys were burning it either because of reps dry fire or not, but there's the visual aspect of it that I think you guys are way ahead of me on. Maybe it's because of the rounds sent down range or the consistency of training or the dry fire, probably the dry fire in your case, Brian, um, yeah. in your case, Brian, <laughs> Brian, Brian, <laughs> Brian, Brian, Brian. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, I do think that there's the, the consistency of training the time, the reps, etc. whether it's live or not. In this case, I don't think you need to make a bang to practice the visual aspect of target to target transitions and shooting. And that's where I kind of fell off pace, I think, and kind of you guys left me in the dust a little bit. So, I, I think the vision component is a very important component. Yeah. And um, I'll let Duffy talk about that. But I, I want to talk about the doing more things at the same time. So, like, doing the transition and, you know, using the recoil. So I'm not coming back down. If I'm firing two rounds on a target, I'm not coming back down on that target. Yeah. I'm using that lift off from the recoil on one target to drive to the next target. Yes. And so if I can do, so instead of wait, quote, waiting, yeah. I'm using that time to do something else. And I think that's important. You're not, you know, you're going to reach a mechanical limit as far as the splits. So let's, let's call that 0.16. Yeah. So if I'm doing a shooting, shooting drill where I'm sequencing skills together, mm-hmm. I know that that time between targets is only going to be 0.16 at its fastest. Yeah. So that means in order to get faster, what do I have to do? I have to do everything else faster. In so, 0.16, theoretically, right? Well, well, theoretically. Yeah, in 0.16. Yeah. But I'm thinking about like when yeah. you start stringing together movement where you're moving your feet and you're doing yeah. other things. Like you yeah. have to do all of those things as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Mm-hmm. And you have to start doing multiple things at the same time. So like an example would be just like running and reloading, like while you're running, like you yeah. wouldn't run, stop and then reload. Right. If, if you're not EPA, you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not, I don't, I don't avail myself of that opportunity. So, yeah. um, but yeah, string, stringing different things together. If you're doing more than one thing at a time, that's yeah. going to make you efficient. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and like so I, I wasn't thinking, like, running that drill. I wasn't thinking, okay, gun up, the dot's where it's supposed to be, press two off, follow through, and then move to the next target. That wasn't the thought process at all. I just don't think I'm using the movement of the gun to my advantage in that case. I mean, yeah. you know, so I, I, I'm sure there's some visual aspect to the follow through maybe that, that I'm not taking out of the equation like I should be to move to the next target or something. Or maybe it's just the visual processing part of it where I haven't trained myself enough to visually move to the next target. And I don't think, you know, with the distance we were running, we were running this in the dark, but we were running with lights that were bright enough. They were light. It's a scene light. It's not a spotlight, right? Yeah. So it's not like I had to find the next target or something like that. So I can't really use that as an excuse. It's just, I really think that not doing the visual training. I think when you start doing the amount of dry fire you're putting in, uh, in your case, Brian, um, that, you know, it, it, you're, you're going to run it faster because you can visually process better. Yeah. So a lot of like running the Blake drill aggressively is getting comfortable, um, with your vision, not completely under control. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so the sites like to get the the what they call the pos- human possible time is 1.4 uh, with all A's hits, um, which is smoking fast. Yeah. Like at that point, this you're never seeing a stable dot like just fixed at a position on the target. Um, the dot for your optic is always moving. Um, you know, we're, we're seven yards with long guns, so the pairs are predictive. Um, there really isn't follow through in the traditional sense of, you know, basic rifle marksmanship kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as soon as that second round is fired, the gun is moving. Um, the gun doesn't really stop moving on the middle target. And then it's really important to find that distinct spot on the third target and stop the gun there, you know, as we're firing that predictive pair. Uh, so, I mean, things are, if you think we're shooting six rounds in a second and a half on yeah. three targets, yeah. uh, you got to, you got to be comfortable moving at a pace uh, that is kind of out of control. Uh, and then, there's some, there's some yeah. rally driver mentality going <laughs> there's on here. Group B. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's definitely, yeah. it's like, yeah. To get to the to get to the human possible times on this, yeah, you're definitely a Group B rally driver. And I I think there's also some you have to accept if we look at this from like an angular standard <laughs> conversation, you you don't have to the gun doesn't have to be stopped to maintain an A zone at seven yards. No, right. No, that, that's when, right. If we're right. I don't know what we could sit down and do the math on what that is MOA wise, yeah. but that it's that's it's, it's, it's double digit yards. MOA. There's right. a lot of forgiveness there, so things don't have to be stopped perfect. Like you, you know, you're trying to hit a thousand yard target. There's a lot of forgiveness there that you can be driving the gun into. You can shoot early. You can overswing. You can do different things like that and still be in an A zone at seven yards. So when you watch these guys run through a match, uh, I'm going to say USPSA at a top tier level. These guys run past targets. It's like pop, 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 and you're like, oh, how in the hell are they hit anything? Because um, they're, they're seeing it. And they know there's a lot of forgiveness. They can generally kinesthetically, I don't want to use the word point shooting, but they can kinesthetically, they know where the gun's going and they can drive the trigger hard enough. They have. Uh, it's a it's a confirmation like 0.5. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's, you know, and so those guys can do that. I can't yet, but I'm working on it. But yeah. it was cool to watch the visual aspect of it where I think there's some forgiveness and that's where you, this is a good drill to try and outrun your headlights on. Until the point that you just get so sloppy that it's useless. And I don't, I don't understand why we, we think that point shooting is such a bad word. Um, you know, if you look up the definition of point, it actually yeah. has an aim in the definition. So yeah. I think a lot of people equate, quote, point shooting with not aiming. And yeah. that's certainly not what's happening. Yeah. Um, I think when we go back to the, where we started with the mount, yeah. We're mounting and indexing that rifle in such a way that I'm generally it's pointed where you want it. Right, exactly. It's pointed. I'm uh, using my air quotes, uh, right? Uh, and aimed in where I want it. And yeah. when I when I pull that trigger, I know where that round's going to go. I know it's going to go on that target. Yeah. And I think that's you know we need to get away from you know the semantics of oh you know point shooting's bad. And yeah, I, I think something else that's interesting too. You know, we're we're reading this book and we're on this this discovery path where we're learning a lot of stuff from Ben and Matt. But if you really look at the history of shooting, th- this stuff is not new. No. I, now I think what what Ben and and Pranka are bringing to the table are the way that they're articulating these concepts. Yeah. But if you go back and you look at books that were written in the fifties and the thirties and the eighteen hundreds. The same concepts exist. Even before electric timers and shoot to live, they talked about how 
shots need to be in a third of a second. I mean, yeah. that is exactly yeah. what we're talking about yeah. now, 150 years later. So, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're sitting at home and you're thinking this is all new and where is this coming from, um, it's coming from gunfighting. And that's yeah. been around for a long time. Yeah, it's just being codified in a different way, yeah. which I think to some extent brings us full circle to your comment at the end of the previous podcast on this topic, where if you if you can't speak articulately on this topic out of out of some of these source reference materials that that you're 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 off the mark you're behind you need to catch up something you need to do something because how you codify things as an instructor and you know it's it, one of the things I go back to different good trainers will tell the same student something two or three different ways before that maybe till that student gets it because they hear it the right way this is codifying things differently so you start off with that material and then figure out maybe if there's a different way to say it maybe I don't know but that's where having the historical yeah. reference goes as a trainer. Yeah, and I think that yeah. that's I think that's what where Ben is the strongest in that it's not just that he's uh, awesome yeah. and he's won yeah. world championships nine times. It's that people who follow his program are also reaching that level of competency. Yeah, and you know I, I don't know how many classes that I, I've been to over the years where the instructor says, "Okay, we'll keep working on it, and you'll you'll get there." Yeah, that that's not that's not what Ben and Pranka say. Like if you do what they're telling you to do, you yeah. get immediate benefits. And you know yeah. they're not the only ones. There's other people that are out there saying similar things. But I think they're the ones that are really putting it down on paper in such a way that it's very consumable for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, agree. Uh, the other thing that you know, looking at practical shooting training and then adaptive rifle, um, when we look at the drills, uh, they do a good job of breaking things down into. Here's what's acceptable from a time accuracy standard. Here's what's good from a time accuracy standard. Yeah. And then here's what's kind of at the ragged edge of human performance. Yeah. Um, so you have you know definitive benchmarks in goal times to work against and to work with to know if you know am I shooting this? Am I not being aggressive enough? Am I being so aggressive that it's kind of wild and beyond the elements of anybody to control? Yeah. And when you start talking about, you know, the, at one point we had spoken about some of the part times that they listed as like being B class shooters. I, I think a, a, a lot of guys think they're a whole lot better than they are. And so when you come out and you say, okay, if you went to, if you went to a USPSA match, you would be, you wouldn't even be B class. Um, I, 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 there's no polite way to say this. Uh, the dude who's not shooting B class is, is the older guy who's broke, who doesn't train, and is you know is running something antiquated or whatever and ju it just it's totally a recreational thing for that person um it, it's the guy that you watch and you're kind of like come on dude the next shooter wants to go finish the stage kind of thing b class is actually moving yeah b class is actually moving and it's nowhere near what can be done but in this day and age the b class numbers are moving and it's a lot of people when you get out there and you're like, oh, well, you look at the numbers and you go, well, that's ridiculous. So who can do that? And it's like, oh, well, a B-class USPSA shooter can do that. Oh, like all of them. Oh, yeah. on a bad day. Yeah. Oh, shit, I got some catching up to do. And, and that's not unattainable. I mean, no. you talk no, about no. like GM and some of those master class shooters, like some of those times are spicy. Yeah. But like to reach just the A or B class, yeah. that's very doable. And yes. I think for some people... They just, they've just never seen it, yeah. you know, so until you go to a match, until you see, you know, some 12-year-old yeah. just 
you know, freaking run screaming through it and get all eight hits. And you're like, wow, you know, here I am, a professional gun handler, right? This is yeah. what I'm supposed to do for my job. And and this 12-year-old just showed me that that, that that skill that I thought I had that was great yeah. um, really wasn't that great. And yeah. so I think that's the other part of, of going to the match. Besides everything that you get from, you know, the nerves and, and you know, performance on demand where everybody's watching you and you have to do it cold, which... I don't know. It sounds a lot like maybe something that would happen in real life huh, um, on the streets, right? On the on the on the streets with a Z. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think there's a, and you don't have to. You know, I'm not saying you have to. You know, okay, let's. This is your new hobby and yeah. everything. But I think going to a match or two so that you understand kind of what that's about, yeah. and then go back and then train because I think at least in in my profession, we see a lot of people who. Um, you know, you you might have a, a trainer or a person who every class they go to, they're the top shooter. Yeah. Okay, well, go to a USPSA match where, you know, you might not even be classified. Yeah. You know, so I, yeah. I think that there's an important humility to be had there. Yeah. And some of the, and, and there are a number of really, really, really good trainers who participate in USPSA, taking Pranka and Steger and guys like that out of the conversation. There are some local dudes that are really yeah. good shooters that are trainers for their law enforcement agencies, et cetera, perform at a very, very high level, and they go do these matches, and they're no longer humbled by it, but they were at first. But right. they're, they're no longer humbled because they've learned to accept that they're going to get spanked, but they're going to learn stuff. And there's some peer review there, too. I think if you're at right. the right match where there's with the right people, they're, hey, here you kind of, I don't know, do you know you? Yeah, I know I screwed that up. Okay, cool. <laughs> it just drives the point home. Prank yeah. always says, welcome to the nightmare. And, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, yeah. You know, but like I said, we, we know some local dudes who go out and do this and they yeah. put themselves out there and a lot of guys won't, they won't put themselves in that match environment because they want to get spanked and then go, oh, well, I'm supposed to be some kind of high speed XYZ unit officer. Right. Uh, but, or, or I'm a gun nerd. I come into the gun store on Saturdays in my 511 paint. I'm not a cop. I'm a civilian. I come in with my 511 pants in my Glock t-shirt and or sweatshirt or my cool guy grunt style whatever, um, oorah, and I actually shoot like a bag of dicks with a handgun and can't keep up, but I'm not going to put myself out there and risk that because my ego won't let me swallow it. Go do it. Yeah, yeah. go do it. Cross yeah. drill? Yeah, yep. so the, the final drill of the night <laughs> right. was um, we shot rifle cross. So again, it's seven yards, um, same target array as the Blake drill. Uh, but in this case, on the first target, you put two in the body. Um, the middle target, you put two in the head. For specifically on a on a USPSA target, it'd be two in the credit card. Um, on the third target, two in the body, and then two in the credit card. Um, come back to the middle target for two in the body, and then finish with two in the credit card on the first target. Uh, so we run kind of a zigzag pattern. Uh, the trick with this drill is we go from shooting predictively on the body to shooting reactive pairs on the head uh, again because we're trying to maintain two rounds in the credit card yeah uh, which is like a two by three inch box um, it's a fairly tight target area uh, and being at seven yards with long guns now we got to take into things like offset into account yeah uh, this is so now we're doing 12 rounds uh, as fast as you can 
Uh, this gets really spicy. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Um, it will burn a ton of ammo if you don't. If you only shoot it live, um, shoot this in dry fire. And you can shoot this in dry <laughs> fire because, again, we're back to, the yes, there's a recoil control component to this, but there's also the visual aspect. This is, this is a visual shooting yeah. drill that also uses recoil control on the headshots and whatnot. So, and it confirms you're still doing everything right with yep. mounting the gun and pulling the trigger. Yep. But yeah, it's this is definitely a, a visual drill. And I know Brian said that you could shoot it, you're switching between reactive and predictive. I mean, you can shoot it all pre predictive. You're going to miss, like yeah. I did, but, <laughs> yeah. but, well, but, for, but the I mean, first even, couple times. But right? the but, misses, though, we yeah. so let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. Right? Again, we're back to there would be some forgiveness out on the streets, mm -hmm. right? So you're not shooting the credit card, but I just shot somebody. You know, and I just knocked out their front two teeth and probably went through their epiglottis. Can I say epiglottis? Oh, no, that's the other word. Um, you know, you went right into their brainstem. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm going to take that shot. It, you know, it, 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 there's an aspect to that that those were still, what, are the, what do they call them, good misses, near misses, close misses, yeah, I mean, acceptable I think misses. I think it's going to change behavior, which is ultimately what we're trying to accomplish Bingo. when we're shooting yeah. uh, rounds at people yeah. who are doing things that are socially inappropriate. Yeah. Um, so, it, I, I mean, yeah, for sure it's going. But we're, yeah. I, you know, I like to think, you know, we're better than that. We can hold it. And, you know, once I, I settled down and actually yeah. started changing gears, it's amazing. You're not giving that much back to the target. You're giving a little bit back, but you're gaining a lot because you're making those, you're making Yeah, because your time, it wasn't like you added a second to the drill. No, just a little bit you back. You know, tense. Yeah. Just, yeah, just tense. adding a little bit back. Yeah. 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 And if I get a little better reaction from the target, for a tenth of a second, that might be worth it, right? Yeah, like and a I cessation of all activities versus a you just stop doing exactly what you were at that moment. If you get where I'm going, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I get what you're saying, and yeah. I, you know, I think that there's, you know, that's that's piece of it too. But I think the other piece of it is like what we talked about, which is controlling your performance. You know, yeah. I want my performance to be as best as I can be, not because right. I want to win championships, but because I want to go home to my daughter and my wife. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's a conversation around that. Like how how can I grow my performance to such a, a place where even when it's, you know, it's dark and it's wet and I can't see whatever I'm losing, I'm still performing at a, a level where I'm going to come out ahead. Oh, so and, you don't want to accept mediocrity then? Well, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, there's cool. no, yeah, yeah, yeah there's right. no accepting cool. mediocrity, yeah, exactly. right? And, and I guarantee you, you know, with, with Pranka and, and Ben, you know, they're, again, they're going out and they're shooting these same drills all the time because they're not satisfied with their performance either. Yeah. And we would all look at them and say, oh, they're shooting at the, the highest levels. Um, sweet. They, they don't think so. They, no. Because they keep and they're trying to get better. And yeah. curiously. They do. They do. People right. seem to keep getting faster. Yeah. And I think yeah. it pulls everybody up. I mean, yeah. if you look at, again, the, you know, I don't know if you like the football people when they run their yardage things in the column, common binds. Columbine? I don't know. I don't at, know at what column, it is. I don't think but it's Columbine. I don't think it is either. But yeah. like whatever they're doing, you know, their times are getting better year after year after year as well. Yeah. And the same thing should be happening for us. We should really be bumping up against those those uh, limits of human performance and just the equipment. And yeah. once we're all there, I think that's when maybe we can yeah. we can stop. Yeah. Not that we should chase, you know, not that we should chase splits or chase times for the sake of chasing time. Um, especially if you have other things you need to be working on. If you can't if you can't sprint a hundred meters without yeah. stopping, yeah. Um, don't. 
dry fire anymore this week, go out and run some sprints. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, you need yeah. to have, and I think you guys yeah. have talked about that before, but you need to have, you know, you need to be able to do all these things yeah. well. Yeah, as you're listening to this, get up from the buffet. Yeah. Well, I assume the parking lot and listening to this while they're rowing or running or doing something oh, like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody's yeah. sitting at home yeah. just not moving listening, right? Yeah. So that would seem odd. Yeah, yeah that would seem odd. Who would or, do that? or dry firing. Who would do that? So, yeah. I like to imagine I can hear the clicking of dry fire. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Rifle cross. Um, if you're going to dry fire rifle cross, do you be cognizant of which, um, you know, whether you're shooting reactively or predictively on a given target zone, um, that is kind of one of the, one of the ways to really run, you know, and be able to switch between those two things at the subconscious level is to run this drill um, really aggressively in dry fire uh, because changing between, you know, reactive and predictive shooting is not necessarily easy to do yeah. uh, on the fly. Yeah. And if you're in from a rifle perspective as well, mechanically, you know, minutia, but if you're running, you know, you got offset conversation with, with some guns more so than yeah. others, um, you know, on a USPSA target in the credit card is not hold at hairline and hit eyebrows because there's no hairline there. So you're, you know, you are holding off the target and doing some things like that. So as you're doing that, be honest with yourself about where the, was the dot at the top of the cardboard, which probably would have been out of the box or, or was, or was the dot, you know, just above the target where it needs to be. And if you need to slow down a little bit to get that visual aspect in for that target, that's fine. And then be able to convert that conversation over to eyebrows or hairline in the world. If that's your world, yeah. if you need to know that. And, yeah. and I don't think that dry fire is the only place you can practice this vision piece. If you're you know, sitting at the, the doctor's office, you yeah. know, you can laser focus on a particular thing and then move your eyes from one spot to another spot to another spot, or you can track along the ceiling, making sure that your eyes are not darting, but forcing them to, to stay focused on a particular spot. I mean, if you do this when you're at the doctor's office, mm -hmm. they may think that you're crazy. Plus, it, um, or if there's other people in there, just work person to person yeah. to person as you're transitioning. Right. Just don't, maybe not that. <laughs> Uh, but, be, be professional, yeah. be polite, and have a plan to, <laughs> yeah. yeah, something yeah. anyway. So, but yeah. I do, I do, Cheesecake. yeah, I do think that, uh, <laughs> I do think that when I'm sitting there, you know, out in the world where, you know, I'm not dry firing, I am going to use that time to work on my vision piece. So, yeah. you know, just Why time not? that's being wasted. So instead of being on the, the Google box, you know, just start practicing your vision. Yeah, you probably, yeah. you probably have seen enough cat videos. I mean, do, do something that's actually going to help you. There's cat videos? That's what I hear. Oh, that's what they said. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, anyways, a lot of lessons learned. Uh, hope you enjoyed. As we come across more things like this, we try to post them up on our social media from time to time. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Cap City Outfitters and on Instagram at Cap City Outfitters 2. Um, as long as the commie bastards at Meta let us stick around. Uh, on our website, CapCityOutfitters.com. You can find valuable information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. You can also sign up for our email newsletter that comes out once a week on the website or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com and we'll add you to the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We are in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. We're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturday, 10 to 3. Um, as a heads up, we're coming into the Christmas holidays, and we will be closed um, from Saturday, December 24th through 
January, I think, 2nd. Second, second, something like that. Yeah, we'll be open, reopen the um, the Tuesday after New Year's. Uh, yeah. Cool. Stay strong. Enjoy. Thank Thanks you. for tuning in, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. Thank you.